Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Did you go boo or woo? (laughs) Man. Um... It's good to have you here. I, I want to get, uh, this is going to be a different Sunday. It's a Vision Sunday. And um, I want to say if you think get some announcements out of the way first so I can get everything out of the way and just share with you everything that uh, I want to share with you this morning. Uh, but the first, I want to give you three quick announcements. And that is, um, first, there'll be, we're not recording a Bible study this Tuesday night. I, um, I just can't be here. We're in Joshua. It's a great book. Those of you who go, it's a great book. Amen. Yeah. I wish we all went uh, because it's you want to grow in the word of God it's really one of my passions also the men's breakfast is coming up in uh, two weeks it'll be on the 30th and we do have breakfast burritos coming guys so those things are coming so you have to sign up please sign up so we we know what to do okay uh, how many you get and typically we have like 25 of you sign up Thursday and then by Saturday morning 50 some of you show up so we just kind of and I get it. I want you all to, to show up there but the third thing is, remember, we're in our Corona Life Services Month. They've changed their name to Zoe. But you can make your checks, or we have an online place you can send the money to, because we raise money every year to help Corona Life Services um, reach more uh, pregnant women for them to keep their babies. That's a very important ministry. Amen to that one right there? Whoever's phone is ringing, tell them I said hi, okay? And... Um, <laughs> But please, you can start giving to that at any time. Now, don't wait. The Walk for Life's coming up uh, in October. But start giving now because we want to save as many babies in the womb as possible. Amen to that one right there. Don't skirt, all of us not skirt our responsibility. Now, today, um, I've uh, set aside this Sunday and uh, I, I wanted to talk to you from my heart. So I, I, I just scratched my notes down. And I didn't practice it because of the nature of what I'm going to share with you today. But I just wanted to talk to you um, about the vision of the church, about uh, where the church is going. And um, but I want to go back in time first before I go forward in time. Um, It was uh, for and this is for the sake of you who are newer to the church. You don't know the history. But it was 1984. And I was a young man of 28 years old. And I discovered that you actually could, I've been saved like five years. And now I found that you could have a prayer life. And uh, so I just started to pray. And I'd sit, basically I'd sit still in the dark before God. And then after, I don't know how many weeks it was, uh, God dropped, really strongly impressed this thought on my mind. He said, you will be a senior pastor. And at 28 years of age, it's like, okay, what does that even mean? You know, I don't know what that means. And I know what a senior pastor is, but, but as a few days, things going by, I started to realize, okay, if that's the case for my life, then I have to make some decisions. And I made decisions to move forward to certain spots in my life, move from, to move forward to, because I knew where I was at, I would never achieve that goal. It wasn't their fault, it just wasn't the way it was. Um, and so I went to Calvary Christian Center, now known as New Hope. Uh, to get my credential as a Seminary God minister. And uh, within one month, I was named the high school pastor. Never expected that. Within two months, I was named the entire youth pastor. Never expected that. 
And so you could see where God was opening doors for me. And uh, I spent five and a half years uh, doing student ministry. Um, you want to talk about insanity, okay? Uh, and so, and I was already 29 to age 34, almost 35. And then I stepped out because I knew it was like, it was time for me to step out. I was just getting older. And I wanted to minister to adults. So I stepped out and I started, they put me in charge of lay ministries. If you don't know what that is, it's you're in charge, and it's very needed. You're in charge of the ushers and the greeters and the ask me and everything like that. And so, um, but for a preacher teacher like me, who's non-administrative, that was like putting me in a prison cell. I mean, it was like, um, you might as well shoot me because I have no purpose anymore. And it really, God used it to force me, to force me to leave that position to start the church. I, I walked away from everything. In August of 1985, I walked away from my position. I walked away from my salary. I walked away from everything. I walked into nothing. I had a wife. I had two kids. I had a house payment. You know, my wife worked like part-time in the school district. And so I had to start, I had to start making ends meet while I knew I was going to get ready to set up this core group to plant this church. And, uh, and so I started washing diesel trucks and waiting on tables as a waiter. And I was 35 years old and doing that. And then after a couple months, uh, Pastor Fred Rodriguez of Elsinore First Assembly, and I like to say it this way, he offered me a full-time job for part-time pay. Okay. <laughs> and so I drove, started driving to Elsinore for four months doing that because there was copier there, there's computers there, the things that I needed to get this thing going. And so 22 of us gathered it was 32 years ago last Sunday, but it was a Tuesday night, September 10th of 1991, and the core group was birthed, and we met every Tuesday night for six months, and, and eventually uh, the time came to go public, and we'd meet in my house, and, uh, and then we went public March 15th, 1992 at Auburndale Intermediate School. We had two practice services, one March 1st, one March 8th, because I wanted to make sure we knew what we were doing, and then we opened March 15th, and then uh, from there, um, things just started to go, and we spent 11 years setting up and tearing down at Auburndale Intermediate School, 11 years, guys, and some of you are still here from Auburndale, are you not, and so... Um, they can only use one hand. They're so old now. Okay. <laughs> bad, Jim, bad. Um, <laughs> but uh, so then Auburndale started renovating and we had to get out. So we moved uh, to Centennial. And we started there. We were there two years. Now back up in time, while we were still at Auburndale, God had showed me that we needed to, we needed to buy land. I was sitting at that, it's not a red roof anymore, but in Victorville, as you drive through it to the right-hand side, it was a red roof in, I don't know what it is now. But I was there for a minister's uh, thing. And uh, God impressed upon my time to buy land. And we bought land. And uh, I came back, told the deacons. I thought every one of the deacons was going to say, no, no, no. But I told them, and I said, you know, God this, told me to do this. And they said, okay, let's do it. So then we did the big push for possess the land and we took up that first big offering and took the commitments over three years and the offering that Sunday just for the land down payment came in at $140,000 in a Sunday offering. Not counting the tithe, guys. That was different because these people, they did it. 
and they committed another, I want to say 1.1 million over three years that they would give above their tithe to buy the land. We paid the land off in two years, this land here. And so now, what do we do now? And the faith, big faith person that I am, people would start to come and tell me, we're going to take another three years, we're going to build now, right? And I go, oh yeah, of course, that's what we're going to do, yeah. You know, because I'm a faith guy, you know. And, uh, and so we did it again. And we, um, another 140 some thousand dollar offering came in the Sunday, this time it was called Time to Build. And, uh, and then another 1.1 something million was pledged. To, to, to build this place. Now, you're, you're doing math in here, some of you, that would not in any way come near to paying off this building, these buildings. Because the building's uh, full cost of the loan after we had to pour in all that money and um, you know, half of everything we had in the bank saved up because the banks required this, we still had a $4.2 million um, um, mortgage on, the, on this facility. And um, so, and we're, we're paying that. The hard part about business loans is you have to refinance them every seven, five to seven years. How many know that? It's just like, I feel like it's such a not fair thing, but just the way it's set up. And so we built this, we moved in March of 19, uh, I'm sorry, of 2005. And, uh, and there we went. And then we were in here a couple years and our equipment was old. We had been lugging it around. And so I asked the people, we need to buy new equipment. We're going to take a one-time offering. And you guys gave 128000 bucks in a one-time offering again to buy all the new equipment that we needed because our equipment was... I didn't even know if a projectors or anything was going to make it through each Sunday. It was that bad. And so um, we did all that. And you've done this so many times and so we move forward and we've survived two major crises some of you have been through it with us one crisis was in the early 2000s I don't even want to go into it because it was such a hellish time for me and for the church and uh, thank God we just got through it and then of course the last crisis was COVID when we were in three services and the church shrunk and millions of people didn't go back to church and and you come back to 200 people into services and you're sitting there and you're wondering how are we going to survive and, uh, and you know God is gradually building it back up and hopefully next year we'll get the third service and stuff like that so but you know it's God's time and then we have a, a big online audience of people wish you all came and watched I know some of you live too far away you moved out of state you still watch me I appreciate that and so we, we got in this place here and we've been here now for 18 years I know, huh? 18, how did that happen? I mean, I mean. Late last year, um, as I was nearing my 67th birthday, um, I turned 67 this past April. It feels 67, okay? Um, I, I started getting a strong, strong impressions. Again, it was like God, I felt like God was impressing me and impressing me and I'm going to tell you what, what, what I came to and, and then let me explain it all. As the year progressed into this year, it wouldn't go away. It wasn't going away. And I knew that God was speaking to me. I knew something was happening in me. And so I came to certain decisions. I went to the network office of our Assemblies of God. I talked to the superintendent, Rich Garris. A few of you know who he is. And um, got counsel there as far as the impressions I was feeling 
you know, and here, you know, because, you know, everything, this is great. I never thought in my life, by the way, that I just wanted to start a church. I never thought we'd own a campus in Harupa, and we own that outright. It's ours. Uh, I never thought we'd have a Riverside campus. I never thought that we'd build a church in Mexico, Zacatecas, New Beginnings. Never thought any of these things, and have six services on four campuses. Two extras are Spanish. And so all I wanted was to start a church, you know, and that was it. Uh, I'm a Bible teacher, is, is what I am. And so as these promptings uh, came, they became stronger, and I knew that I, I, this was it. This was what I was supposed to do. And so I'm going to tell you what God was telling me. I'm going to tell you what I put in, in place. And then let me start to explain some things before you throw rocks at me, okay? Um, and I know at times I'm going to get emotional. But I knew it was time to put a plan in place of succession. I'm older now. I was 35 when it started. Um, I can't believe all this time has gone by. But I knew the time would come. I always knew it. And so I put a plan in place in May. I signed off on it. Deacon signed off on it. Where um, in three years, um, I, will, I will step sideways as a senior pastor. Um, you're not getting rid of me. I'm not retiring. I'm going to still be in your face all the time. Um, I can't retire. I can't do that. I've got too much left in me. But let me explain some things. When I turn 70, um, I will step sideways. I'll be the old coach on the bench. And, I'll, and later on in today, I'll, I'll fill in all the things I'm still going to do so that you don't, don't miss me, okay? But let me tell you some of my reasons besides the strong one God was prompting me. I never wanted to be the guy that held on too long. You've all seen that in your jobs, haven't you? I never wanted to be that guy. I watched it with pastors. They held on too long. They held on too long. I never wanted to be that guy. As I watched different things happen with in pastors, I no, I just can't be that guy. And so I knew in the back of my head I would not be that person because I've watched churches die because somebody held on too long. And... Uh, the reality is, look, first service, most of you, you're my peeps. You understand me best because we're all in that older age. Any amens on that? And some of you are younger, and I appreciate that. But I understand you. You understand me. You guys laugh at my jokes more than second service. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and we all grew up with the same movies, right? And so, um, and the same music, too. That's right. Uh, uh, but... Uh, so I watched other churches. The pastor was on too long for various reasons, and the churches begin to die. And I thought, I can't do that because I, I didn't sweat blood, and people didn't pour into this place for me to hold on too long and for it not to outlast me or us. I, I didn't want that to happen. You know, it took a lot. It, it took a lot to get here. It's unbelievable. The, the, the effort and the sacrifice and, and the pain that it took to get here. 
Um, there's so many times you just want to drive away from it because it's just too much. You know, starting a church from scratch and taking it through purchases and everything else and crisis and everything else. So that was another big reason. Um, I, I, you know, how many of you know that in big decisions, it's not just what you need to do, it's when you need to do it. How many know that? Well, I looked around and I realized we have a great young staff. Yeah, we just do. And that's been by design. Uh, I went through hell and high water to make that happen. In-house fighting. But to make that happen, because I knew that we couldn't just grow old. So I look around, I'm thinking, we have, it's the right time. We have, we have young, great staff. I mean, we have young, great staff at Harupa. We have young, great staff in Riverside. We have young, great staff here. We have Charlie Bacard, Charlie Headley. We have Bri Brianna. I always get her name wrong, so I'll just call her Brianna. Gara, gara, gara. That's what I always call her. She's our children's director, Robert Arroyo. You know, young Eric and I were the old guys on the bench, okay? So um, we've been here a long time. Aaron, Aaron, how, Aaron Adame, is she a great young Saturday? Yeah. You know, I've known Erin since she was 12, and uh, she's been a, she's a great staff member. Um, but I also, within the, looking at the great young staff, I looked at the giftings of the great young staff. And we have the right giftings. They're right. Because we have Charlie Bacar, great preacher. We have Charlie Headley. Yeah, and he is. We have Charlie Headley, great preacher, great administrator. You don't realize how good he is and what a shepherding quality Charlie Headley has. He's preaching at Harupa today. And then we have my son Dylan. Let me brag on Dylan. Great teacher. He's a teacher. He's more of a teacher type. He's a theologian. Scares me already with what he knows. I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. It's like, how did he learn so much so fast? Some of you know, he's gone back to college. He's finishing his bachelor's. He's going to go to his master's, then his doctorate in theology. I don't know what happened in that guy's head, but it happened, okay? And so, um, but we have these, these right giftings because the church should have the balance of all these types in there like that. It's a very, very good thing. So the timing was right. Um, a big, big, big piece was, I have grandkids, I have grandkids. And those of you grandparents, you know exactly the feeling. And I like spending time with them. Uh, when Willa, my oldest, was born, oldest grandchild, she's four. And now I have six in a four-year range. And like I always tell you, I go, I couldn't get one, and now they're like Fast and Furious movies. They just, <laughs> it's like they just keep coming, man. And, um, but when Willa was born, and Dylan asked me on the side, you're going to get emotional? I go, this is when I'll get emotional. I remember I would hold Willa, and even up to she was, and I got to start telling her again, but I told her for the first two years of her life, I said, Willa, I said, Granddaddy waited for you all his life. I waited for you all my life. And you came, and you're here, and you're my granddaughter. But I waited for you, just for you to show up. And uh, 
And that's the way I feel about my grandkids. And I'd like to spend a little more time with them. Um, there's a deeper, I don't know if it's a wound or a thought in that, and that is that I never knew my granddads. I never met them. My dad's dad was murdered in Mexico about 1916. That's how my dad was brought here when he was a little over a year old. My mom's dad, as some of you know, I've told the story, she was 10 years old, and I don't remember the city they lived in, but they went down to the city center there. He gave her a penny for a candy or an ice cream or something. He gets on a, on a, on a train. She comes back, and she sees him in the back waving, and he leaves the family. She's 10, and he never comes back. And so I never knew my granddads. And you better be darn sure my grandkids are going to know their granddad. That's going to happen. I mean, I'm in the middle right now. I have started that first book writing it but I know that the second book I write the third book is the no, the third book will be the prodigal I'm sorry I didn't want to tell you that day the second book will be she's already paid for the first two you know it's like she's, she's forcing me to write and, uh, but the second one I want to write uh, I want to write a personal book from me to my grandkids I want them to know me I want them to have a book about my life what I was like as growing up, what I enjoyed, become a Christian, how my life changed, you know, how I met Grandma Gigi and all those types of things. And, you know, and, and so in the church, I want them to know about me. I want them to know their granddad. So this becomes, uh, became very important as I looked around. I thought, I, I like my, grand, my, my grandkids, with, uh, my daughter Vanessa and Peter. I call, their, I call them kangaroos, kangaroos, so they're kangaroos, and uh, Nathan's kids, I call them the, the monkeys, they're all monkeys over there, and so I give them all these different stupid names and stuff like that. But there's another factor uh, of the decision. Um, you guys know I battle vertigo, you know that, and stuff like that, and, uh, but I started to notice that I just... I, I can't carry the major pressures like I used to. Those who are older, how many know what I'm talking about? It gets tougher. It gets a lot tougher. And it, it affects you physically. It affects you. And I started to notice uh, this thing because the buck stops with you. Is, there gonna, is the tithe going to be there? Major breakdown. 23,000 for the water pipes out there last week. You know, that we had to do. The city of Merco tells you. And these things are always coming up and you're always looking at crisis with this person over here. Major crisis with that person over there. And you're like, after a while, I can't, you know, you, it just starts to affect you. You're not this young 37, 40-something, 50-something guy anymore. And so... I, you start to think about those types of things. I'll give you one deeper, deeper one that I don't expect to happen, but it did affect me emotionally when it did happen. Ten years ago, how many remember my oldest brother, Bob? He passed away ten years ago. You guys remember him? Hey, come on. Remember my brother, Bob? His favorite scene would go, come on. And uh, when he passed away ten years ago, he was 75, and I'll never forget the first thought. I don't know if it was my thought or the enemy's trying to get me, but my first thought was, as me and my other surviving three siblings were there, I remember thinking to myself, my dad died at 75, my brother died at 75. How much time do I have left? And I remember thinking that. Now, I don't expect to die at 75, but I realize you don't know what tomorrow brings. Nobody knows. None, none of us know. 
And so it starts to weigh on you and the, the pressure of everything begins to weigh on you more and more and more. And uh, so that was another, that's another reason. Um, I also want to be able to, when I feel like it, after all these years of workaholism, I just want to take up for a week and just take off when I feel like taking off. I don't think that's selfish. I just feel like, man, I've, I've bled. I've bled for this place. Um, and so I want to be able to do that and still keep up ministry. But um, I'm a very thankful person. I'll share more about this at the end. But um, one of the things I'm thankful for is I got to walk in a dream that was never mine. It was given to me by God. I could have never thought of this. This would have never been something that would have passed through my mind. You know, this was just a God-given dream. But let me tell you one of the biggest reasons why I, I've been able to do what I've been able to do. And, um, and if you think today's hard for me, three years from now is going to be a nightmare, you know, so um, when the day comes. But you have to have a supportive wife. I can't even stress that enough. Let me just brag about my wife, in case you've, you've never met her. She's the one that always wants to hide in the back, okay? We're exact opposites. I want to be up front. I want you to notice that I'm up front. She wants to be in the back, and it's okay, part of the original sound person team of New Beginnings at Auburndale right there. AB, you're going to look up. I'm talking about you right now. First sound, remember you were the sound people? You ran the sound way back in, yeah, way back when. She's like 94 years old now, so I'm joking. I know her really well. Okay. Um, but, um, but my wife, um, every step of the way when God asked me to do something, big step, big turn, she would always say this line. And uh, she'd say, whatever God wants. And you know, you need that because you're, you're stepping into insanity. You're stepping into no man's land and, uh, and she was always supportive. I would get home, I mean, for decades, I would get home many nights, 10, 11 at night, and she'd have dinner waiting for me. She took care of me. She did everything she, she was supposed to do um, while I was out trying to conquer the world. And she just supported and supported and supported. And um, the great testimony of everything you guys have seen pastor's kids right my kids all they're not perfect you know that and you could probably tell me all their dysfunctions but they all do love God and they all serve in the church every one of them so that's a great testimony I think but, um, but my wife the support of her and everything uh, at we, this Tuesday coming we 42 years will have been married 42 years ago so um, and we, and we still get along. I mean, we even like to sit close to each other to watch, you know, Wheel and Jeopardy. So get, you know, right? So there it is. There's the testimony right there. Um, so, um, but those are all the basic bottom line reasons on top of the big reason that God impressed me to um, put a succession plan in place that in three years from now, I'll step sideways. Now, let me, I'll fill in the blanks a little more but at this moment, I have Charlie Bacar up here. Charlie Bacar will succeed me as a senior pastor. And I want to turn it over to him now. Thank you. So I'm going to talk to Pastor Jim first. 
I think I might have your bad ear. Is that true? Yeah. I know. So hopefully the sound system helps. I can hear it in the sound system. Okay, good. Um, I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you entered my life. Um, I can remember the first time we talked on a, on a <laughs> phone call, and uh, I was in my church parking lot, the church I served at at the time, and, um, you know, we, it was just like, well, call this guy. He might have something for you. And it had been, guys, this long process on what I should do in my life because I knew God had called me to start moving into senior pastor ministry. I was a youth pastor for a long time and I didn't know what the next step would be. And so I had waited, I had like these fleeces out of when I was gonna, you know, if this doesn't happen, then I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to text the superintendent. And, and I text him after this long prayer time of months and I text Rich Gira, which is kind of our, our superintendent and mutual friend, just, hey, I think I might be ready to look. And the first thing he texts me, which never happens. Like if you text somebody about a job, like usually like, all right, I'll probably wait like a couple months and maybe he texts me back uh, like two hours later. And he says, well, what about this one? And, uh, and he sends me the job description for Norco Operations Pastor. And I showed it to my wife and she said, um, can you do that? And I was like, thanks for the little confidence. Um, it's awesome, thank you. Supportive wife. I know. And I said, I think so. Guess we'll find out. Um, but so then I called Pastor Jim and, and we just started talking. Like, like, we, like we had been friends, just like Pastor Jim talks to everyone. Like he's been friends with them forever and he's cracking jokes and he's making fun of you in like two minutes. And you're just like, all right. Um, and, uh, and then I came here and I came here one week before COVID shut everything down. And he brought and it, he brought I, COVID. I might've, and I can't tell you how scary that was to move my whole family from everything I knew. And then all of a sudden I couldn't talk to anybody. And I lived with my in-laws for a couple months because I thought that if I was Pastor Jim, I'd probably fire the new guy too because he just got there. And, um, but Pastor Jim, you never did that. You know, that never even came up in a conversation. Um, and then not only did you not do that, you made me feel welcomed and then you empowered me. You said, hey, why don't you go take this on? Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And you trusted me. Some kid that you had met like for like just a couple months in interviews. And all of a sudden we were going through the pandemic together. And so I cannot tell you, Pastor Jim, how grateful you are that you entered my life. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that this is a three-year process and not, and not like a short one. <laughs> and, and that you're gonna stay around, not only because you're a great teacher and a mentor, because you're a great friend. And you're one of the best things this church has to offer anybody. So I'm really thankful. Now I am extremely excited um, for a couple reasons I'm gonna share. Number one, personally, this has been a prayer thing since me and Amy got married. I have always wanted to just be in one place. I wanted one place to call home. Um, and I have served in two other churches as a pastor and I've served there for long periods of time. And it took this like wrenching to move away. And when I moved here, like just the heartbreak that it takes to leave, just like you're seeing with Pastor Jim, just the heartbreak just to step it just hurt so much. And I just thought, I don't want to do this again. But I knew coming here, I was like, I, we had no plans to like, there was, we never talked about succession. We never talked about anything like that. In my head, I was like, this is a great place to learn for, you know, all these administrative stuff that I didn't know as a youth pastor. So I can go and be a senior pastor in a few years. And that's honestly what I thought. Um, and so with, but then I started falling in love with everything. And me and Amy became, 
to get a little more excited and then a little nervous because we were getting so excited that this place started to feel like home that all of a sudden those fears of like, well, we're gonna have to move and we're gonna have to pull the girls out of school. So when Pastor Jim approached me at the end of last year and said, hey, this is my idea, what do you think? Like, I just felt this click of like, man, finally my prayer is answered. Like I get to be home and I get to know where my daughters are gonna grow up. I get to know where my family and friends are gonna be for, for my lifetime now. I get to know where I can live and buy a house and all that kind of stuff. And, and it just became excited for me personally because there's just something about a foundation, about knowing where you're gonna be and knowing that you're right where God wants you to be. And that's what we feel about New Beginnings. That New Beginnings, is just, it's just home. And we're so excited for that. And then as a pastor, I get really excited because Pastor Jim kind of talked about it a little bit about the staff and how great our staff is. And I will tell you this, and I know other churches staff and I've been on other staffs and I can honestly tell you that we have the greatest staff. I feel I would put our staff up against any church in any city of any size because they are that good. Like we talk about it as a staff. We're like, man, I don't think people know. Like, like we're like some secret that like people don't know how good our staff is. And not just the pastoral staff, which is great, but even the administration staff. Like if, if you guys work with anybody in the office, it just feels like, man, these guys, you know, sometimes they, they're running around trying to make sure they got everything together, but we always have stuff together. And one of my biggest prayers was to have a staff and to be part of a church that I, that I felt excited to go to work to and I felt excited to invite people to. And that's what this place was. And then the congregation, like, honestly, this is the other thing. I get really excited because I see God about to do something big. Because when he has a staff like we have and leaders and, and older guys on the bench like we have, and we have a congregation like you guys, with some of you guys, are, we come from all different ages and all different backgrounds. If you wanted to take a look around the place, you wouldn't see one type of person here. You'd see all different kinds of type of people here and people that love Jesus. And when God starts putting those kind of places together, not just at the Norco campus, but at Harupa Valley and Riverside, that means he's about to do something amazing. And we just came out of COVID. And so I honestly believe that that's what we're getting ready for. Some sort of kind of revival thing where God is about to call us to go to something kind of like he's gonna challenge us a little bit, but it's gonna be something that we're gonna see some amazing fruits from. A lot of it is from work that the generation before me has done. But also a lot of it's just, hey, this is to God's timing. And he's like, all right, it's time to go. And so I get really, really excited about that. And the last thing is, I can't tell you how honored I am by Pastor Jim, by God, that, that this would be my calling, that this is where I'd get to serve. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's honestly like, it's, it's mind boggling to think that like, this is like, that I finally, you finally feel like, all right, I'm home and I'm ready. I'm gonna, well, three years, I'll be ready. So, but it's just mind boggling to think about. Um, you know, the last thing I just like reiterate with Pastor Jim, um, kind of what he said about his wife. My wife has been so supportive and she's here and we're so thankful that we get to call you guys our family um, for the next 30 years that, that me and Pastor Jim are different leaders. Um, he has way more hair than I do. Um, you have to get used to that. We're different leaders. But we have the same foundation, which is to teach scripture, make disciples, and help people come to know Christ so they can have a new beginning. And we're not gonna change everything that Pastor Jim or, the, or you who have been here for the last 30 years, we're not trying to change anything. We're trying to build on the foundation you guys have already built up and to try to create a new foundation for the church that comes after. So that is it. God, thank you guys so much. I'm super, Pastor Jim, everything. Yes, um, am I on? Yeah.
Um, I just want to um, give some last thoughts. Look, today's the day that the children's ministry is going to love me, okay? Because we're going to get out on time, even early. Because so. you guys, I'm notorious for going. Um, so the what? How's this going to roll out? That's got to be your next. And I'll answer it here so I don't have to answer 20 times uh, outside. Um, <clears throat> well, from this moment, as time goes by to the three-year mark, you'll start to see a transition in the senior pastor Sunday pulpit. So it's going to go something like this. In about six months, seven months, we'll move to meet three times on uh, three out of four Sundays a month. That's about a year and a half from the marker. And then six months before the actual transition, it'll go to two and two on Sunday pulpit. And then when the transition comes, it'll shift from two, three, and one. So you guys will still have me once every four weeks. Um, so you're still going to have me. Um, um, I'm still going to teach Tuesday night verse by verse study till I can't get anymore. Um, I'm still going to do the men's fellowship. You can't get rid of me there. So um, I'm still going to lead Israel trips to Israel. So. And, and by the way, I'm just, I'll throw it out. Now, don't dialogue with me now, but I'm thinking, what if we went to, on an extension to Egypt instead of Rome? Because I've always wanted to go to Egypt, but I'll just throw that out there. Just think about that. Don't, no dialoguing, no dialogue, okay? I just wanted to say it, because I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, so you're still going to have me in the pulpit a lot. I'm still going to come up here and be the guy fighting against the culture, man, and uh, standing up for what God's Word says instead of... Instead of society's way of thinking, they've lost their minds out there, my friends. And, and I'm going to preach as hard as I always do and, uh, because it just burns in my heart, and it'll always burn in my heart. And I will teach you, and I'll teach you, and I'll teach God's Word because I love teaching God's Word. Now, the last things I want to say today, um, and then we have one more worship song. We're going to sing, I'll stand with arms high. You guys like that song? Yeah, I do. Carlos, you like that song, right? You going to be here for that second song? No, I'm just joking. There's a joke with him that goes on for years and years. Can I tell you that is since it doesn't matter right now? Carlos is one of our bass players, and we were doing a Christmas day, was it, or New Year's Day? New Year's. And he thought it was just one service. We're doing two that day. We don't do as many on days like that when it falls on Sunday. And after first service, he's packing up his equipment, and he's leaving. I go, where are you going? He goes, well, we're done. I go, oh, no, we have a second service. And if you know Carl, he goes, we do? You know? <laughs> and so now the joke is, whenever he plays, I go, remember, Carlos, there's two services, okay? And then we've been doing this for years now. You get involved in ministry. You have jokes about you that go on and on and on, and we never let you forget. Like, Bruce, what's, you, what's your nickname in Deacon Meeting, Bruce, who's a host today? <laughs> oh, yeah. His neighbor calls him Gus. His name is Bruce, but his neighbor called him Gus for years, so we call him Gus now. And so once we found that out. But, uh, but let me just share with you from my heart, okay, before we sing. Um, <clears throat> and then I want to share these two things for the sake of somebody here listening to try to encourage you or somebody at home try to encourage you I, I've had the ride of my life you know I'm 
And I still get to ride. That's <laughs> the thing. I've thought about my life many times. And I thought like Gideon. And in no way am, am I any and these guys at all. But I see the little markers there. Gideon was from the wrong side of the tracks. Anyone remember that? His family was the wrong side of the tracks. Where I grew up in Corona, it was a dirt street, the house I grew up in when I first moved there. Corona used to be separated down six. North was more Anglo, I'm sorry, South Anglo. North was Mexican, just pure Mexican. That's the way it was back then. I have no bitter feelings toward that. I'm not a victim. My family's not a victim. My kids are not victims. I don't listen to any of that junk out in this world. So, So, wrong side of the tracks. And then, you know, I'm the youngest in my family. David, youngest in his family, King David. I mean, I'd sit up here and my siblings would come and listen to me preach. I go, I'm sure some of these people changed my diaper at some point when I was younger. And, and, and they come and they hear me and they listen to me preach. I, I grew up in an alcoholic's home. You have no clue, even though I've shared them so many times, how many dysfunctional, emotional, relational issues that this kid has had to deal with throughout the decades of his life, and I'm still dealing with them. And yet God uses me. My mom, my mom packed oranges. This was her job at the old sun-kissed orange plant. That's what she did. She was fast, too. My dad, he used to run picking crews around Southern California to pick oranges, and then he ended up being a custodian at the Naval Weapons Center here in Narco. So these were the roots of everything. My mom left everything at age 52, started a business. I shared this, I think, on Tuesday night study. And so I saw that jump. I saw somebody take that chance. But I look at all the things that society says, oh, you're a victim. It's against you. It's against you. You need somebody's help. You need people to lift you up. And I realize, and that's why I cannot stand victimization, especially the way our society pushes it. I go, here's God brings me with all these supposed disadvantages, and I get to rise up and be this guy? I say that to encourage somebody here. Don't drink the Kool-Aid out there. Don't listen to that junk. Know that you serve a God in heaven. And that God in heaven has a destiny for you. And you don't need to go along with society's lies. You go with what God tells you to do. And you go after it. And I always stick it to people when I say, I'm Mexican privilege. Because I can't stand to hear that, that white privilege statement. It just drives me insane. No, you go out and do it. So I say I'm Mexican privilege because... Like I told you Tuesday night, when my mom went and launched out in the land of opportunity, America, and started the business, the money came rolling in, and Jimmy got everything he ever wanted <laughs> as a 13-year-old on up. And so you go make it happen. Don't listen to stupidity out there. But it's only because of God. It's only because of God. Now, the last thing I want to encourage somebody is with this. There's a verse. And I didn't, I'm not going to put it on the screen. But it's a really cool verse. It's Acts 13, 36. And it says about David, 
they're, they're, they're quoting back about David the king of the Old, in the Old Testament. It says that David, after he served in his own generation, fell asleep. In other words, he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. In other words, David was born for a certain time. And David walked in what he was supposed to do in that time. And then he died. Look, I'm one of those lucky guys. And I, you know I'm, what I mean by luck. I'm not, I don't believe in luck or lucky charms. But I'm a lucky guy. Because I've got to serve the purpose of God in my lifetime. I know this is what I was born again for. I was born again to teach this Bible. Here, this guy who only read the sports page before he got saved and read nothing else. And then the Spirit of God comes in me and this thing becomes everything to me. And I've loved it. I've loved reading it for 44 years and I still love reading it and studying it. So I got to serve the purpose of God. So don't feel sorry for me. Weep not for me. I've had a good, good time. And I'm still going to have a lot of great, great times with the rest of you. I just won't carry the pressure anymore. I just don't need to do that anymore. So in three years, we'll all get along good. You'll probably see me more at the bingo games and the seniors' times and stuff like that. You know, winning the competitions. This last time was a fluke, I'll tell you right now. I didn't win. So, that, cheater? Who said cheater? So let me... Just please don't post anything online about this. Wait till after second service. Okay, can you do that for me? So I'm not inundated with questions before the service even begins. So please don't do that. Just do me a, a, a favor. And those of you at home, please don't post anything. Wait till second service is over. And then act shocked, okay? So, um, but uh, remember that um, if you need prayer for anything, they'll be here to my left or right physical offering thank you for your faithful giving those on at home you can give online remember but physical offerings here please be praying about your corner life services what you're going to give you can start giving it now online check you can write extra for that what it's going to be but please understand they survive by our help and they save babies in the womb and that's important sign up for the men's uh, breakfast coming up once again i won't be here tuesday um, I'm getting out of town because of after today. I don't want to be inundated. So I'll be gone during the week here. So um, we'll start Galatians next Sunday. We're going to start those letters in the New Testament. That's going to be some fun books this year, guys. And remember, my heart is we teach the Bible. We live in a biblically illiterate nation now. And I'm talking Christians. We need to grow in the Word of God because it's the Word of God that holds us true and holds us steady. It's the Word of God that keeps our mind right and not believe in the lies of the culture. And so we're going to teach that thing and teach that thing and teach that thing till Jesus comes back. Amen? God bless you. We'll see you later. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.